So you guys have picked a great place to be uh, this Sunday morning, close to afternoon, doing church with us. Well, I'm excited. We're going to be kicking off a new sermon series, a new message that we're starting today. It may be a two-parter or three-parter. I'm not quite sure yet. But it's really going to be a powerful message. I've been praying and, and, and thinking about it and just releasing it to the Lord. I believe it's going to be a, a good self-evaluation of ourselves and of our hearts. And am I really being the hands and feet of Jesus on a daily basis? Right? Because y'all know God wants us to grow. And he also wants us to go. Somebody say go. Go wherever he leads us to love on people. So the title of our message is Brothers Keeper. Y'all say that with me. Brothers, Brothers. Keeper. Keeper. We need to be our brothers and sisters. Can I, for the lack of, of, of woke standards and backtracking, do I have to say brothers and sisters for the rest of today? Y'all know if I say brothers, I'm including the women, right? Amen. We're not woke here. We're awakened in Jesus' name, but we're not woke by any means. So God calls us to be our, our brother's keeper. And God says we're to love God and love people. One of our amazing folks of our church, Miss Laura Albright, she drives an awesome Jeep. Right on her Jeep, it says, love God and love people. I love that. That's a commandment from God. And we have to remember that really I demonstrate my love for God by how I love people, how I love others. And really what the Lord is really challenging me on through this topic, we're going to take a deep dive, is much of the church, much of what we talk about and focus on is growth, right? We need to be growing the kingdom of God, amen, anybody? Yeah. Right? We need, that's important, that's why we talk about it, it's important, but the Lord just showed me and, and kind of re-challenged me and resensitized me to the issue and really the crux of the matter is we also, so we have to be growing the kingdom. We have to be inviting people into the kingdom of God. But did you know we also have to be maintaining who he's already blessed us with? Maintaining the people, the issues of life, maintaining the children of God that are already here. The people of God that he's already placed in your life. Because what does the word say? He who is faithful with will be faithful with much. And so that, that's the way of the church a lot of times. We focus on growth and that's important. But hey, we can't overlook maintaining what God has already blessed us with. And that's how we step into being our brother's keeper. Because this is really the heart of a brother, the heart of a sister. A brother's keeper is somebody that doesn't just love their brother, but does whatever it takes to keep that fellow brother or sister inside the will of God. Right? That's what God is calling us and challenging us into. Keeping me checkmated on my junk. We all got junk. Right? But also being empathetic and loving people where they are, understanding that the things they're going through are different than the things I went through. And if I'm standing from a place of judgment that says, why aren't they getting this? Why, why is it so hard? I need to come alongside. I need to remember my pigsty. Right? And maybe I need to remember some of the fellow brothers that helped keep me. 
Man, I got some amazing, mighty men of God and women that challenged me, that pushed me, that kept me inside the will of God. Right? So this is what we're going to be talking about. And really, that, that brother's keeper is all about that ministerial care. And do you know what? You don't have to have a position at this church. You don't have to have a leadership role, Rob, at this church. You don't have to be anything as far as position-wise inside the church to be able to minister ministerial care. Being the hands and feet and the heart and the mind of Christ. That same commandment, love God and love people, is for each and every one of us. Right, so let's dive in. Let's look at that foundational scripture we're going to give you today. It comes out of Genesis 4, 3 through 11. It's a story that we all know. And we're actually going to be using this story as a reminder of the thing you shouldn't do. Right, this is how you are not called to live. Uh, but it's, it's, it's really the, the theme and the issue of what we're going to be talking about. So I'm excited to dive in. with Look at chapter, chapter 4, verse 3. And so we're talking about Cain and Abel. Right, And so it says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord, and Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Verse 5, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Tell your neighbor, watch out. Put that in the chat if you're joining us. Watch out. Sin is crouching at the door and eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Sorry, neighbor, that's messed up. He killed his brother. Y'all, jealousy will take you farther than you ever thought you could go. So are we loving our brother or are we jealous of our brother? Right? Verse 9. Afterward, the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Y'all know God didn't ask him because he didn't know. You know, when God, the Holy Spirit, asks you why you're doing that, why you're doing, it's not because he doesn't know why you're doing it. He just wants you to acknowledge that he's Lord, that was for somebody. That's for free. Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? That sounds pretty sarcastic. If you got a sarcastic husband and wife, say amen. <laughs> right? Am I my brother's keeper, Cain says? But the Lord said, what you have done, listen your brother's blood cries out for me to the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. So what I want you to do is write down this question. Am I keeping my brother or am I killing my brother? And I know none of us would probably answer I'm killing my brother. I know none of us probably would ever think we would kill anybody. And if I'm going to get a pick on the spouses again, if you're thinking about killing your husband or wife from time to time, come see me. Come talk to me. Right? 
right? That's not the answer. But what I want to do is I really want to challenge you because maybe none of us would actually physically kill somebody. But what the Lord showed me is a lot of us have assisted, aided, and abetted in spiritual death to the ones that we love and care about. How do we assist in killing our brothers and sisters instead of keeping them? This is how. When you ignore the voice of God that says, you need to go talk to so-and-so because they're obviously struggling. And the insecurity of being the vessel for Christ rises up and says, I can't speak truth. That's going to be awkward conversation. That's how we assist, aid and abet in the killing of our brothers. How else do we assist, aid and abet in killing our brothers and sisters? Lashing out instead of listening. When somebody opens up to you and you lash out and you begin to beat them over the head with the Bible and the Word of God instead of just sitting and listening. There are times when I'm sitting with people, counseling people, just meeting, talking with people, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, shut up. I know some of us don't like that word, but the Lord speaks to us in our own language, right? And the Holy Spirit reveals to me, they don't need an answer right now. They just want you to listen. And I'll give you the word, just as Moses, God said to Moses, I'll fill your mouth, right? And so maybe the, the, lack, of, the lack of the issues or the, or the insecurity that you have is the lack of, of knowledge. God can still use you to be the hands and feet, to just be empathetic and to listen, right? How, how else do we aid in a bed in assisting the killing of our brothers and sisters by telling them what they've done wrong? The world tells them over and over the things that they've done wrong. That's not our job. Our job is to provide truth and guide and assist in helping lead them along the path that God has for them. And at the end of the day, they have to choose life or death. Right? This is how we become our brother's keeper. Guys, look at that next point. Whenever we reject this responsibility of being our brother's keeper, we aid and abed the enemy to continue further division. To aid and abed in continuing that person to continue to get worse before they get better. When God just calls me to love them and help them and encourage them and come alongside them, right? But look at that point. It says, the Christians, we have a moral and spiritual responsibility to be our brother's keeper. We are commanded to what? Love one another. I know y'all are super smart. I know you already know that. But hey, if we already know that, why do we continue to miss the mark? We know it, right? We know it. We know it. We know it. But we continue to miss the mark. Right? We have to love one another, right? Just as Jesus loved. I believe our love and our empathy and our acceptance as the church has to be like our number one trait, right? If we're trying to grow the church, y'all, we, we, we need that. But like I said, the, the, the point really of this message is to maintaining what we have. And so, you know, sometimes you treat the people you're closest to the worst, 
right? Because I know you so well, I, I don't treat you, I don't love you the way God calls me to. So as we're maintaining the people that we have, we're maintaining the flock that God has blessed us with, the current flock that's here right now, the, the core group of people that God has blessed us with at this church. I want to give you a hand, give yourselves a hand. Y'all, we are blessed with the best. But we, if we want to expand the kingdom of God and preach Jesus, we got to have more people staying than, than going out the back door than we have coming in the front door, right? And so never let offense try to creep into your life to separate you from the people you're closest with, right? God calls us to love just as he loves, and I don't know about you, but there's no love like the love of God. Who's glad that Jesus never gave up? on you. I'm so glad that Jesus looked at Ian and his sin and his mess and his wickedness and said, I give him grace and I give him forgiveness. And he gave me all the resources of heaven that I didn't and don't still deserve. And because Jesus never gave up on you, he never gave up on me. Why would we turn our backs on our brothers and sisters because of an offense, because of insecurity. God loved us so much, he had to radically demonstrate how much he loves us by sending his son to the cross. If we're called to love just as God loves, you're going to have to do something radically to demonstrate your love for others. This is what I know. People respond to your acts of love Way more than they're going to respond to your words of love. Because we're people. We need to be reminded. I love hearing that I'm loved, but I really, Pastor Ian really loves being shown that he loved, that he's loved. And I know I'm no different than anybody else here. We're human. We're, we're made that way. And we're made in the image of God. And I, I wonder if that same attribute rests in his heart. He loves to be worshipped. He says, let no other gods be above me. He is a jealous, loving God. He is jealous for your love and for your affection. And if we're brothers and sisters of Christ, Christ is the head of his body. We're the members and the parts and the pieces of the living, breathing church. How much more do we need to be in unity and in harmony? Right? Here's the thing. If we fail to love and care for people, if we fail, if we fail this test of being our brother's keeper the way that Jesus did, we're not going to keep people. We're going to lose people. And if now more than ever we need to be in unity and harmony, is losing people going to help the cause of God? It's only going to hurt it. It's only going to hurt the church. It's only going to hurt us and the truth of God. Right? Look at John 13 through 30, or 34 through 35. This is the commandment that Jesus said about loving one another, right? He says, a new commandment I give you. Somebody asked him about the law and, and how can I live a perfect, pleasing life to God? And Jesus narrowed it down to this commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, he says. That you also love one another, right? By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's our love for one another 
that proves I'm a disciple. It's our love for one another that proves I believe in Jesus. It's our love for one another and our acceptance of one another that uh, Jesus is Lord of my life and that he is leading and guiding my, my, just my words, but my actions and my life and how I demonstrate my life and how I live my life. And so what kind of sacrifices are you making to show your brothers and sisters that you love them? What kind of things are you showing that demonstrate you do have their back? That you are empathetic to their tests and trials and the fires that they're currently in? What are you doing to keep them inside the will of God? Somebody that you know is hurting. Or somebody that you know is maybe on the fence. Is maybe on that, that, that fence of, you know what, I'm about to give up on this. That, this Jesus thing, it worked for a while. How are we demonstrating that we don't just see them, hear them, love them? How are we demonstrating that we want to keep them inside the will of God? Right? So that they don't go, cause further damage to themselves or further damage to their family. Or God forbid that they, they pass away and die apart from the love of God, the salvation of Jesus Christ. Right? Like I said, we don't tell people what to do. We just lay out and lead them into a decision based in truth. And it's up to them to decide. Right? At the end of the day, if that's their decision, then what do we do? We still pray. We still believe. If you have a loved one that's maybe astray, continue to believe and continue to pray, right? And continue to be your brother's keeper whenever there's an opportunity or a moment for you to step into that role and position that God has for us. Look at that next point. So why is this all important? Being our brother's keeper, caring for people, ensuring that the church is, is healthy, Right? And the scope of all that is happening in our world, why does all this matter? It matters because the closer we get to the end, the more we're going to need each other and the more the world will still need to see Jesus. The longer we go, the longer time continues to tick, the worse the human condition gets. I mean, isn't it crazy? I'm only 36 and I never thought I would see the day that we would argue about over the sex of a human being. I don't know about you, I think that's just stupid. That is the most logical, inarguable fact of life. It's the very first thing that you ever say or notice about somebody as they enter into the world. It's a boy. It's a girl. But what has happened Lies, deceit, deception have crept in. We've allowed it in, even into the church. And the longer time goes on, the worse the human condition is going to get. And 10 years from now, I have no idea what we're going to be arguing about. It scares me. Because I have two little boys. And they're going to know that they're boys. And they're going to know that they're called. And they're going to know that they're favored. Right? But why does all this matter? Because we have to keep each other accountable and bound in truth. 
Because the world now says if it's fact, it's not fact if it makes you feel bad. You can make your reality whatever you want. That's messed up. That don't jive with my God. My God says I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets into heaven apart from that. And so if you want to exchange Jesus for your truth, I love you, I'll pray for you, I'll try and keep you from afar, but at the end of the day, God don't send people to hell, we send ourselves. And it breaks his heart every day that people would choose their sin, their, their God, their self, their whatever, their truth, and exchange their eternity for a five-minute feel-good, for a, a lack of offense. See, truth don't care about your feelings. God still cares about your feelings, but truth is truth. Fact is fact. Jesus came, he lived, and he died so that we could be called sons of God. That's fact. That's truth. Right? The world needs to know this truth. The church needs to be reminded of this truth. The farther the world goes to reject Christ, the more sold out you and I have to be. Because you know what? The farther it goes to reject Christ, the harder it's going to get. And the harder it's going to get, the easier it is for you to say, you know what? This is too hard. Do I really want to lose my job for the sake of Jesus? Some of y'all may be sitting there, man, I die for Jesus. If that's you, praise God. But I wonder if we're a lot like Peter when he said, Jesus, I'll never reject you. And what Jesus say? Before the crow, before the rooster crows three times this morning, you'll deny me. And so some of us, in reality, probably wouldn't even be arrested for Jesus. let alone being kicked out of our houses, losing our jobs. Y'all, and you know this stuff is coming, right? And I'm not being negative. I'm not speaking death. I'm trying to impart life and hope and joy and peace because you're going to have to make a decision. In that moment, in that hour, am I going to stand for Christ who died for me or am I going to bow at the wokeness the theology of the world, of Hollywood, of its ways. Because this is what Jesus said. Look at Matthew 24, 3-14. And so the disciples were asking him about what to expect, what, what to know when the end times were getting near. He says, now he sat on the Mount of Olives and disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered them and said, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. Let me stop there for a moment. 
If you experience hardships for the sake of Jesus, he says, be troubled not. What do you say in Matthew 5? Fear not because I have overcome the world. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. If you're doing the right thing for Jesus and hardships come, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 6. He says, and excuse me, down to verse 7. He says, For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences. Pestilence is a fancy word for fatal epidemic diseases. Y'all heard that word epidemic lately? I don't know how fatal, it was fatal, excuse me. It was very fatal. And I wonder if that's going to be a tool to be used by the world on down the line, right? The, the, the pestilences, the diseases, the famines, right? The earthquakes in various places. All these are beginning of sorrows. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will be, what? Say that again. Good God, offended will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. People are not going to keep their brothers. They're actually going to turn on their brothers and offer them up as sacrificial lambs so that they can Go scot-free. Verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then to the end will come. Verse 10, it says, excuse me, verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Are you prepared to be hated for Christ. And we can bash our culture and, and get onto our culture, but y'all know we, as Christians, we still have a lot of freedoms. We're experiencing some pushback, a little bit of persecution, but there are still nations, countries in this world, in the Middle East, if you profess Christ, they will kill you on the spot. They will ask you, if you deny Jesus, you can live. If you do not deny Jesus, we're going to cut your head off. And so if that's going on currently right now in the year 2022, you better believe time has a thing called a cycle. It comes back around. And if the church is not careful, doesn't stand up and fight for truth, you and I are going to have to make these decisions. Your kids are going to have to make these decisions. Our grandkids are going to have to make these decisions. So why is it important that we are our brother's keeper? We need to be growing the kingdom of God because the more brothers and sisters I have to fight with, come on somebody, the better. The most dangerous place for a sheep of God is to be alone. And the world is going to try and chase us down and separate us from the herd to get you either to deny your God 
or the ultimate sacrifice of laying your life down for what you believe in. If that comes to that, there's going to be people that are going to make, there are people, praise God, making that decision today that don't deny Jesus. Talk about glory. And you know what happens if somebody makes that decision? What does that say to their persecutor? That their God's bigger than the fear that they tried to instill. And so if we roll over because of the fear of losing my job, roll over because of the fear of you fill in the blank. How strong is your God? How strong is your faith? And this is why we need to be our brother's keeper because we need to encourage each other. We need to spur each other on. You need to be the leader of your home. You need to be the leader of whatever group you're in, the leader of whatever circles you run with and say, you know what? Are we really doing, not just doing this faith thing, do we really believe in Jesus? Are we really being the hands and feet of Jesus? Are we making a difference? Are we making an impact? Right? Because this life, it says, is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. And I want to make not just my God proud, but I want to show the world how good he is. And if we could, if we could get some people to cross that bridge from darkness to light, cross that bridge of, of wokeness into awakeness, we could turn some of our enemies, by the love of God, loving God and loving people, we could turn some of our enemies into some of our closest brothers. Who was killing and persecuting Christians? Paul, who was formerly, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He got radically saved, set free, and the people that he was killing, now he was keeping. We need to keep our brothers and sisters as much as possible. We need to be maintaining the church that we have. You know, I'd love to have a great big church, but you know what I'd love to have even more? A healthy church. Some of the biggest churches are some of the most unhealthy churches you ever walk into. I'm glad we have standards, the standards set by the Word of God. To be a leader in this church, you're going to have to jump through some hoops. We're going to have to check up on you. I'm going to have to keep you for a while and, and see, are you walking this out? Can I trust you? Do you have secret sin in your life? Right? Because I want a healthy, vibrant, life-giving, devil-stomping, heaven-shattering church on fire for the truth of God. Look at that next point. So one of the defining marks of the end times, we're going to kind of get end times here for a moment, is really what we just read. There are that passage of Matthew 24. And it's what? Selfishness, self-centered, cold-hearted individuals attacking and persecuting others for the sake of personal gain. And this is why we need to be our brother's keeper and empathetic to the tests and trials that we're all separately running. Right? Because we're all running the race of our faith together. But at the same time, Jonathan, I love you, sir. You're over here, you're running this, this separate race that God's called you to, right? 
And Shondor, you're running a separate, separate race that God's called you to. So we're all called to run the same race, but we're also all running different races. And so I need to be empathetic to the things that are going on in my brother's and sister's lives. Because my perspective is not final. The things that I had to go through, maybe they didn't necessarily have to go through. The things that they're going through, I don't necessarily have to go through. So what we have to remember is we are all under attack to some certain degree. And we have to, church, hear me, get out of this mindset where my faith is all about me. My faith is all about me. My faith is all about me. You need to be in your word every single day. You need to pray every single day. You need a word from God every single day before you step foot in your workplace. You need a word from God before you come home and step foot in your home place every single day. So you, you've got to be, your growth is on you. But you can't be so self-centered and so self-focused that you are, are oblivious to the fact that your brothers and sisters are going through stuff. They're being attacked. They're being persecuted. The enemy is whispering lies. And God wants us to rise up, come alongside, and encourage each other, to love each other, to say, I got you, to say, I see you, to say, I hear you, and to not bash them over the head and tell them what they're doing wrong, and bash them over the head tell them what they need to do, but to sit and do life together, and to do ministry together, and, and to just, I, I'm looking across, like, I feel like I see almost all of you here today on a regular basis. We, we, we do life together. Right? That's real faith. That's how we keep each other accountable. That's how we help keep each other, our brothers and sisters, inside the will of God, inside the favor of God. If you don't want to be in God's will, do you want to be in His favor? You can't have His favor apart from His will. Ah, I just got some of you. Tag your neighbor, say, you got him. You got to put it in the chat. I got you. Right? You want his favor? Then step inside his will. Make him bigger than your sin, the secret sin that you enjoy. Jesus is bigger than that. He didn't die on a cross so that you could stay bound to sin. He came to set the captives free, physically and spiritually. Right? Look at 2 Timothy. 3, 1 through 5, and this is really another warning of the things to come. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. I want you to underline that, highlight that, star that, to remind yourself that when you, when you choose Jesus, it doesn't mean that your life's a gravy train. Actually, it means the opposite a lot of times. And so knowing that there will be difficult times for people who love only themselves and their money, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Excuse me, they will betray their friends. Be reckless, be puffed with pride, love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Sometimes 
when you're trying to win somebody to Christ, you'll feel the Holy Spirit say, they're not ready. They're, they're, they're not ready. And sometimes we just have to release them, literally release them. This might be somebody you work with that tries to purposely push your buttons, right? Because they know you're a Christian and they're self-centered and they're evil. And there's nothing you're going to say that's going to change their mind. So Paul tells Timothy, just stay away from people like that and keep the, the faith-filled brothers and sisters even closer, Right? Keep the people that believe even closer and, and the ones that are, that are so far right now, just, just stay away, right? So why do we need to be our brother's keeper? Because there will be very difficult times, which will make it harder for people to continue to choose Christ. The times get harder. I need more people around me that are going to help me and listen to me. And if I need that, I know my brother needs that. If I need that, I, I know my brother needs that. Right? Look at that last point. Or not the last point, second to last point, I'm sorry. So the defining mark of our faith, of, of Christianity, is not just what we believe, but how we behave and respond to one another. Right? Love covers a multitude of sins. We need each other and the world needs us. Whether they believe it or not, Christ is responsible for the freedoms that we have well before the Declaration of the Independence was writ, written, wrote. Christ is the reason for the liberation of freedom and Understanding the rights of God. Right? So whether Will wants to believe it or not, they need to know that God is still good. Right? But the defining market says of our faith is not just what we believe, but how we behave. Right? So our belief plus behavior is what equals real faith. It, it's our belief plus, plus behavior is what equals real faith. I can't just profess in the closet and do nothing in the world. I must profess in the closet and then in the world demonstrate who God is. It's my behavior that brings my faith to life. My behavior that brings my faith life. This is what I know love does. Love does. Any married folks? Raise them high. Don't be shy. Look at all the married folks. Almost everybody in here. Think back to when you was dating your spouse. Man, when you was like googly over the stars. When they was just like nothing they could do was wrong, right? I remember me and Jessica was dating. Man, I had so many good ideas. And I don't think I'd change. I feel like my ideas are still good, but she just doesn't accept my ideas as much anymore. All my men were tracking with me. Man, I had so many good ideas, they just aren't good no more, I guess. But just think of all the extra things that you did to show them that you were sold out for them. 
all the special things, the little cards, the little notes, the flowers, man, the dates, the stuff you bought her, the stuff you told her. Why? Because you was in love, and love does. And so this is why we have to be our brother's keeper, because what happens is life happens. If we're not careful, we become lukewarm. And I don't want to do the things that God asks me to do to demonstrate my love for others. So God is saying today, what are you doing to show those around you that you love them? Did anything change 20 years ago before we got married to now? If anything, if we really believe God's word, each day is more precious and precious. If I've been with you 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, I should love you more. Somebody say more. Than I did when we were married because I know you more. I know you more. We've been through some stuff, man. Me and my wife have been through some stuff. And Jesus is still good. In the same sense, your faith. If you got born again today, yesterday, if you've been living for Jesus, stomping the devil for 60 years, you should be more radically in love with your Savior now than you was when he first saved you. Because you've been through some things. You've done some things. Right? Love does, and our world needs us, and others need that love. Others and the world need that love. That love that God did for us, for us to show that to them. Look at that uh, next scripture. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. Says the end of the world is coming soon, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Y'all be praying, believing. Verse 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love. There it is. Love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those that need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Even though the end is coming. If you're not hearing me, hear, hear me. The end is coming. All I know is it's closer today than it was yesterday. I don't know when, but I know it's going to be closer tomorrow than it is today. But even though I know the end is coming, I can still live in hope. I can still live in peace. Right? I can still be encouraged. And I can still have joy because Jesus is still Lord. I can still have hope. I can still be encouraged. I can still live in joy because I know I have a lot of other people in my life Brothers and sisters that love and care about me and have my back, they help me stay encouraged, and hopefully I'm doing the same thing for them. Right? We can have hope because we've read the end. The writing is on the wall. All who believe shall be saved. Isn't it crazy how the devil even knows the writing on the wall? And he's still fighting you. He's still putting up a fight. And he even knows he loses. You want to know what that's called? Pride. The devil is pride. You ever been in a, a game? Maybe you played soccer or football. and Maybe you know the game's over. But you still just get dirty. And you play dirty. And you talk smack. 
right? And you're mad and you're puffed up. Has anybody ever been there, done that? Don't lie in church. <laughs> That's what he's doing to you. He's going to try and take down as many as he can, even though he knows he already lost. He's throwing a temper tantrum. That's why we need to keep our brothers. We need to remind them, you're not in this alone. Don't listen to the, the whispers of deceit. Listen to the voice of truth. You can. He's with you. He's for you. He's not against you. He makes the impossible things possible. The last point, our end time instruction for us. And this is really where we're going to stop today. and We're going to pick up and, uh, and study this out next week. What is to, we're going to use that 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. Uh, we need to be earnest and disciplined in our prayers and show deep love for one another by sharing and serving. We are our brother's keeper. So what we're going to do next week where we pick up we're really going to break down each one of those. Those are the ways that we don't just demonstrate our love, but that we can help keep our brother. We can help maintain the church. We can help maintain the kingdom of God when we do these practical things. Y'all know we serve an amazing God, but he's also real practical, right? And so he gives us some practical steps on how we, we maintain the body, keep it encouraged, keep it filled with faith and love and hope. And so this is how we keep our brothers, right? Just using that scripture, we pray for them. Pray for your brother. We love them. Don't just tell them. Love does, right? Show them. Sharing with them. Sharing your lives. If they have a need, share it with them, right? Even money. If they need just help. If somebody you trust, you know they're doing the right things. You never give attic money, right? Take them out to, to, to eat, but don't ever give them cash, right? If it's money they need, you share it. And then simply serving them. Serving, being the hands, being the feet, the heart, and the mind of Christ for our brothers and for our sisters. Right? So I'm excited to dive into that next week. So y'all come back next week, right? Bring somebody with you. But uh, y'all join me in prayer as we get ready to close. So Father, uh, we thank you and we love you. And uh, thank you for everybody that's here. Everybody that heard the message today, I pray it would be that evaluation of us looking in the mirror and are we really keeping our brothers or are we just doing our faith alone? Are we maybe offended with those that we're closest with and the enemy's having his way with us? Do we need to repent from that type of attitude or that type of lifestyle or that type of faith? Because that's not Jesus. Jesus, you weren't even offended with those that were placing the nails into your hands. Let us be saturated with that type of love. Not just on Sunday mornings when it feels good, when we're in our Sunday's best, and the worship team's kicking on all cylinders, and hopefully Pastor Ian's preaching a fire message. God, let us be saturated with the love beyond that on Wednesday at 2 p.m. when I'm tired when I'm doubtful, when I'm frustrated, when I'm hurt. God, let us believe in the mountains and in the valleys. And let us be our brother's keeper in Jesus' name. If you're here today or watching us online and Jesus is your Lord, he is your personal Savior, I think that's awesome. God thinks that's awesome. He sees you, he loves you. But what I want to do if if Jesus is your Lord, you've been born again, you've been saved, 
You're living for him. I want you right now to please pray for the lost. Pray for somebody that doesn't know God. Somebody who's in the darkness. Amen. Thank you for doing that. And if you're here, either in a sanctuary, watching us online, and you say, Pastor Ian, I, I think I may be one of those people that are lost. I got into a car wreck today, or I got sick. I don't have much time left. I don't know where I'm going. If you, if you don't know, man, I want to shore that faith up today. I want, I want you to have a peace to where you can say, you know what? God knows me, and I know him, because it says that we're all going to give an account to our lives. God's going to say, Jesus is going to say two things to us. He's going to say, either enter in my good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. So if you want to change that today, I want to ask you to do something. It's going to take faith. It's going to take guts. But what I want you to do is I just want you to stand up. Physically stand up in this place. No one's watching you. No one's looking at you. This is your moment and your moment alone between you and God, you and Jesus. And if you want to say, you know what? I want to accept God right now. I'm going to give you a moment, an opportunity to do that. Stand up and accept Him. I want to pray with you. In a few more seconds, I'll let this moment pass you by. If that's you watching online, making this decision, let us know. Put something in the chat. Say, I'm making this decision. I'm praying this. Amen. No one's standing in our sanctuary, but somebody can be making this decision online. So I want to lead us all in a prayer. Okay, let's say this loud and proud. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, Father, we love you. you. And we thank you. We We accept your son, Jesus. We believe in him. And we confess now that he is Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive my past. Redeem my future. And send your Holy Spirit to seal your work and guide my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Whoop, whoop. So awesome. Well, I'm so glad y'all came. Okay, y'all are just.